welcome to episode 40 of the Joshi 2010's Journey, here presented from Redleaf Retrocast. If you're listening on the Patreon, thank you for subscribing on that $1.50 or higher tier to help fund this journey as we acquire the DVDs and review them as we learn and go through Joshi out of the Dark Ages into this modern era that we're in now throughout the decade of the 2010s. The goal is, of course, to uh, learn of prospects of what went wrong, what went right, learn about wrestlers you probably missed out on, including myself, and learn about the wrestlers that we love today and their origins. Uh, very fun stuff. If you're listening over on the All Japan Women Destiny podcast, where these, goes up, where these go up for free two weeks later, then consider leaving a review over on your favorite podcasting outlets if they provide that, preferably on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter at BowlingJD or Red Leaf Retrocast. Spread the word. Here on this episode, I'm going solo. It is, we're nearing the end of 2011. And here on episode 40, it is JWP Climax 2011, Kaori Yoniyama Final. And later in this episode, as we're as I promised a couple episodes ago, I have used some of the Patreon money to acquire some more Neo DVDs uh, from the promotion in 2010 that went under, uh, the Kyoko Inouye promotion, and covering some of the major shows that we missed out on. Uh, the last couple episodes, we've done that, and on this episode... At the back end, we'll be doing Neo Beat Up 2010 from October 11th, 2010. A very pivotal and important uh, contextual show as we go into Stage Door, which you can already listen to that here on the various feeds upon what you're listening on. So look forward to that. That is headlined by Yoshiko Tamura and Ayumi Kurihara 1. Something totally missed out on. Apologize, but we're covering it now. But let's get into this JWP show all throughout 2010. JWP was looking to start pushing new wrestlers. Uh, there was the big hair versus hair match between Yoniyama and Emi Sakura uh, that culminated in Yoniyama winning that match. And it provided a new direction for Emi, to say the least. And a very good... Uh, uh, in the midst of a very good title reign with this JWP Openweight title from Kaori Yoniyama. And as we discussed during that time, she wa she drew in a decent amount of money and uh, attendances throughout her reign coming off of the failure that was the Nanai Takahashi run in the summer of 2010, uh, which uh, the Kayoko Hariyama uh, title reign preceded that which was okay. It was one of the longer runs in JWP. So here in 2011, Yoniyama, and I'll go through this probably multiple times just to make sure that it's through all of our heads of how this came to be. Yoniyama in 2011 uh, suffered a jaw injury. I believe she broke it. And uh, as with a lot of wrestlers, when they, they've reached seemingly a peak and they've accomplished what they feel that they kind of are going to get at, uh, then an injury is something that really spurs on retirement questions. 
within the person. You see it very frequently, especially in the Joshi scene, when there's not a lot of money involved. Uh, There's a very there's a variable amounts of degree of top level success that most can reach. And in the case of Yonayama here, uh, she felt that coming off that title reign in JWP and JWP with, you know, it's not so great financial backings with uh, the ownership that makes questionable uh, marketing decisions and the like gone over that uh, on prior episodes. This jaw injury really got to her. And I, I've pulled up some old uh, weekly pro wrestling articles, cooperated with a certain blog that uh, cooperated that story. And I really liked I really like finding some of these old blogs from people that covered uh, various Piro and Joshi wrestling back in, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s of like, what was the scene like? What was the uh, topic of conversation of the time? And I, 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 I found a pretty good one that covered from this area. So I can't wait to. Uh, to relay those words because um, I got a good kick out of it. And um, a lot of it uh, I agree with as well. Uh, on the topic of injuries and and kind of question, questioning retirements, I think the most recent one is, uh, at least in 2022 here, is Sakushi Haruka over an ice ribbon. And on this Joshi 2010s journey, we're definitely going to be following a lot of Sakushi uh, throughout ice ribbon. But uh, we'll get to more Ice Ribbon, because that is the next episode as we close out 2011 there. So that's going to be a fun episode. I don't think I'm going to cover a Neo episode on that one, because that is also the 2011 year-end episode. So I'll do my... I'll probably do a top 10 matches of the year, since uh, I'm not sure if I'll get JPQ on that one, or Scotty or somebody, but uh, we'll see how the timing works out. Uh just uh, behind the scenes is I got family coming into town, so I'm trying to get a lot of this uh, watched in together and for you guys. But uh, regardless, uh, Sakushi had finally gotten the title, culminated her big long story that she had, the redemption arc, and with a mixture of a lot of people leaving the company, contracts running out, not re-signing, and essentially the company more or less going through a folding process of sorts. Uh, she just decided to hang it up. That was the that was kind of the final straw. Uh, it's it's like think of a sports athlete that doesn't want to go through another rebuild, yet another rebuild of the team, so to say. And they want they want out. Uh, whether if if they're a long term veteran, they maybe want to go to a winning side, or the young guy wants to go uh, win a title now rather than wait another five to ten years. Uh, in in this case, it's it's we've got that long veteran that just goes. You know what? I'm hanging it up. And there's there that's very relevant to this whole year-long journey of Karyoniyama coming out of this jaw injury and much of JWP's story besides bringing back old kind of AJW uh, tag league and uh, uh, the G1 uh, AJW Grand Prix aspect of, of what they were doing. We've seen some level of growth through 2011 with with uh, JWP here, relatively speaking. It's it's not a whole lot, but they're trying, and that's really all we can ask for of this era. It's it's the... I keep... I'll, I will say this over and over again, but the most boring aspect of, of wrestling is definitely when it's just matches and the companies aren't trying. Uh, you need some level of investment. Uh, that is... And, and growth. So, sort of. Uh, I'll spoil this little tidbit now, but Emi Sakura 
I know we've spoken about this on Red Leaf Retrocast proper, but Emi Sakura didn't start a company to have a lot of growth. She wanted something small operationally uh, with having fun. That it, like So if you come out and that's your goal, and then I don't have really an issue with that. But there is such such things as in the case of Neo, where the company doesn't do, do so well and they just don't know why. And that's a little teaser for uh, Neo beat up 2010 at the end. So let's get into this. JWP Climax 2011, Kaori Yoniyama Final, December 23rd, 2011, from Corken Hall, a... Very nice attendance of the time for Joshi Professional Wrestling of 1,170. And we start off with Masume and Nana Kawasawa defeating Aoi Yagami and Moon Mizuki. Kind of four up-and-comers. Uh, the new rookie, Nana Kawasawa, splashes off the second rope to pin Yagami. She's going through a little physical and look change. Uh, but Masume still remains the one with the biggest upside or at least in this case, of this current undercard crop. Moon Mizuki, she looks like a Pokemon out there. <laughs> Just, uh, we got the little half moon going on, but uh, Aoyagami looks like she's at least trying aesthetically to stand out, but her getting pinned by uh, arguably the worst... Eh. Kaosawa's got some size to her, and she and, and Yagami, I've, I've spoken about her in the past. The opinion is she's... Uh, quite awful, and she's one of the worst in the scene right now. Uh, at least costume-wise, she's she's trying, but uh, Kawasawa pins her. We move on. During this time and lead up to this, uh, they were having a red and blue star uh, cup, and the blue star cup final match is Minami Katsu against Rabbit Miyu. So Katsu is kind of in her sophomore year, we'll call it. And Rabbit Mew is more or less a, I don't know, rookie, I guess. But uh, this is the cup final for them. little undercard thing for them to do, but credit where it's due. Banami Katsu has much improved over the last year. She's clearly working hard and got out of the terrible rookie singlet into some sort of wrestling look. <laughs> She's running this match against a much smaller Rabbit Mew, who resembles a very small child, hence <laughs> the name. Uh, there were very decent fire-up spots uh, for Miyu, but mostly it was a Katsu match. Uh, I think that means chicken in uh, <laughs> Japanese, but anyways. No, uh, is it pork? It's pork or chicken. Good kick-out spot from Miyu off a uh, Katsu top rope Vader bomb. I like that move. Immediately follows that up and pins her with the double-arm suplex with the bridge. And post-match, Sawako Shimono comes out with both her JWP Jr. and Princess of Pro titles. There's a face-off between her and Katsu. So yeah, there's your little undercard program going forward. We got a cup final winner getting the challenge. A double title holder here. Hey, nice little undercard stuff. It's very, uh, it gives you very stardom future title type vibes, if you know what I'm saying. This trios match that follows, good God. Dump Matsumoto, I am not joking with that name, Hanako Nakamori, and Jaguar Yakota, what a team, take on and defeat the JD Star team of Kazuki, Mari, and Sachiabe. It's a 10-minute match. This was ridiculous. And not in a good way. 
Uh, before the bell, both sides immediately start brawling. And then you get in the ring, and it's basically a three-on-two handicap match. Why? Because Dump Matsumoto never gets in the ring, nor does she take a st- single bump. She also never sells a single move, in fact. Jaguar does a few things at the start, and then she kind of disappears. Which is fair. She is the oldest out of them all. <laughs> but uh, all while Abe and Nakamori are working their asses off for ja- for <laughs> for a semblance of a match. Occasionally, Kazuki and Mari would like interfere some moves, whatever. Kazuki running over the corner. She punches off Jaguar and dump. Well, <laughs> Jaguar at least sells the punch. She goes to the floor and she's like down forever. Dump just stands there. She stands there with her kendo stick and she looks at her. Dump would occasionally swing at people in the radius. <laughs> it's like she has a, uh, it's like there's a threshold they pass and she just, she's like, ah, target locked. Ah, goes for it. But really, she couldn't be more fucked than to move from this corner. Uh, like there was just like two occasions where someone would get up on the turnbuckle and she'd like saunter over, whack him with the stick. And that's it. Uh, but the most comically ridiculous was there's a pin going on and Dump throws the kendo stick into the ring and hits the ref to break up the pin. And the ref does the whole, you hit me in the vagina with the stick and she's holding up. And then after the brief comedy spot, which nobody laughed to, is over, she stands up and hands the kendo stick back to Dump Matsumoto. Oh. Anyways, Jaguar suplex off the top uh, to Kazuki. Nakamori hits the Shining Wizard and wins. So at least, hey, the up-and-coming young talent they want to eventually push gets the big win in this. But what the fuck ever to this match? My God. Can we, like, please push, like, Sachi Abe in some aspect? I don't know. Maybe she doesn't want to be pushed, but I really feel that we could do something more with Sachi Abe. She still has so much left to offer, and it's so clear. And it's like matches like this where she's clearly trying. Uh, 15-man battle royal. This was an atrocity. I can't state further how horrible this was. A tremendous two-packs-of-ass waste of time. Uh, just a bunch of people all coming down to meandering around the ring, comedy spots, nothing, half of which weren't even in ring gear. Others were just in T-shirts. The final two comes down to Abdullah Kobayashi and, you guessed it, the mighty Gammy. Abby wins with a top rope elbow drop to Gammy, and then, of course, it wouldn't be Gammy without some comedy. Does post-match nonsense. Gammy gets carried out by, like, eight people, like her personal stretcher, uh, while she's unconscious to this elbow drop to the chest. The people in this match were Abdullah Kobayashi, Emi Sakura, Gammy, Gentaro, Great Kojika, Kari Yoniyama, Tetsuro Kuroda, the Great Kabuki, uh, I'm sorry, did I already say that? No. Ran Yuyu, Misaki Iwata, Sanchiro Takagi himself, Sayako Obihiro, who was like the worst person in the match, Takashi Sasaki, Toshi Amatsu, and someone named The Winger. That do anything for you? Well, it shouldn't. It was terrible. Went 20 minutes! Ugh. Okay. On to the good stuff on the card. Because I was dreading the show <laughs> up to this point. Uh, but, dude. 
everything from this point forward was really good. Kyoko Kimura versus Leon went 12 minutes, 46 seconds. And look, Kyoko Kimura, she's far from the best in the ring. But uh, Leon had, in 2011 has been excellent. She's one of the best uh, women's wrestlers of the year. Uh, she had that amazing high speed slash open weight title run that I thought her she was cut short a bit. Uh, considering, but from uh, how they treated Haley Hatred, kind of winning the title and her build-up to it, I wasn't complaining too much about it. I was just really more along the lines of enjoying that Leon run, uh, and more on that in a second here. But uh, So Kimura is actually coming off her first career MMA win in Pancrase at Shinjuku Face, <laughs> defeating Megumi Yabushita, who might sound familiar from... Uh, a match I was praising uh, in the last episode. So Megumi Yabashita, she's more of an MMA career fighter where she just kind of does pro wrestling on the side. So that kind of explains her positioning all the time. But uh, Kimura was trained under the owner of a uh, MMA dojo, Yuki Sakaguchi, whom you may better know as the Sakaguchi in DDT Pro, pro Wrestling. And I am pleased to say and shocked that this match absolutely rocked. There was a springboard frog splash to the outside through a table by Leon. Uh, Kyoko Kimura stuck more to the big boots and strikes. And once that happened, l- let me let me say at the start, I didn't know what to spe- what to expect from this. But you know, they went into to the mat a bit, and I'm like, my initial thought was, ah, here we go. But I was wrong. These two beat the hell out of each other. Built up the strike exchanges until finally they went to the forearm blows back and forth. Leon hitting her jump back spin kicks was gnarly. Kyoko starts going into headbutts during that sequence, and Leon ends up matching her uh, as they go back and forth. She loses that battle, but um, Leon is hitting her. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Strike exchanges. No, I said that. Uh, they both. So, okay. So they go into more spin kicks and more headbutts, and then they. Uh, let's see. Kyoko starts going to headbutts and Leon ends up, uh, let's see. Okay, so what happens is uh, Leon does a big spin kick. Kyoko stays up, gets her with a big headbutt, and they both go down. They beat the 10 count up, uh, back up, and then they look at each other one final time. One big slap from Leon and a final right hook from Kimura. So there's your MMA background. Double KO. Vastly exceeded my minimal expectations. Two out of three recommendation. This is great mid-card stuff. And hey, Leon, breakout year. Push her to the moon. Look, say it again. I know she had her title run earlier in the year. Let's do it again. Now's the time. I'm ready. Good match. JWP Openweight title follows. Mm-mm-mm. So, over the last few months... And mostly through the summer, through various tag tag uh, matches and uh, uh, single exploits, Subasa Kuragaki in JWP has been getting a push, and she's looked real good. Haley Hatred has also looked real good, but she's you know she's off and on in the promotion. She's mostly in Japan. She she went uh, you know a few weeks here and there uh, to Shimmer. Uh, for a shimmer uh, outing, and then... But she's she's JWP-based. Uh, this went 17 minutes, 20 seconds. Right away, I'll say this. Three out of three wreck. Full stop. This 
also absolutely rocked. Even better than the double KO finish. It's the best hatred match to date that I'm aware of. And these two literally are just two hosses that threw heavy lariats and did incredible second half exhausted power moves the entire time. I could not believe my eyes the match these two had. And I have to say, these two went into the zone. Yes, that place, that place. Hatred's doing topes, Kuragaki's doing her springboard back drop kicks. And as it goes on, they both just hit bigger and bigger, more impactful moves to just tremendous results. Uh, this was extremely compelling wrestling. It, it just got to that next level feeling. And I have to assume the DVD audio quality or something that they set up, the audience was barely audible. But it really did kind of sound like that they were gasping and following along. So this is kind of that JWP cutting corners ownership that we're talking about here because man I, I i have to believe that the crowd was going nuts for a lot of this because i certainly was and, or at least i hope that's the case uh but hatred and kuragaki just emptied the tank for this match lariats neither go down but then they finally do but then they no sell and they go down again and then they go into quick joshi style roll-ups i swear uh there was there was, uh, let's see, Kuragaki basically does a Splash Mountain Gonzo Bomb, which was wild. Uh, Hatred's doing straight-up Liger Bombs. She does mess up the second one up later, but uh, recovered into uh, Quick Joshi-type roll-up, so that was a good cover. And these last seven minutes, I thought this match ended at least ten times. Hatred was selling the shock of Kuragaki not going down so well. Uh, her kicks were on point. Just nice spin kicks and jumping sidekicks. Germans, uh, she did this real nice uh, delayed German suplex uh, where she bridged super well. Crowd pop for that. I mean, this match worked so well that a simple delayed German suplex after all this got over. And the pace where they were going, you just felt they were in the zone and could do no wrong. More big power moves for near falls. They do duck under, they, they do the whole double duck under, both hit the ropes, come back for lariats, but then Kuragaki wins the big lariat battle as they meet. She doesn't go for the win. She, uh, in fact, hits more big power moves, uh, uh, picks Hatred back up for a big falcon arrow uh, to win the title. What a match. What a match. This was easily the best Hatred match uh, you could see at this point in time. Kurgaki looked like a big Haas monster, just really f going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a big Gaijin. Uh, this was a huge win, huge big title change. Uh, get it off to Gaijin, the person that's been pushing the promotion. Uh, I would book, I would lead up to, I would get, you know what, I would, I would get Kurgaki a few defenses in, build Leon up with, with uh, eventually beating Kyoko. I think they should do a rematch. And once they get to that rematch done, Leon should face Kuragaki and win this title. That's my uh, armchair Booker Man decision there. I have spoken as I drink some water. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Main evento. The retirement of Kaori Oniyama. 18 minutes, 48 seconds. Taking on Kayoko Hariyama. Now, 
I didn't write a whole lot about this match because yeah, there's a little bit of shtick at the beginning. They're getting they're getting their nonsense in. Uh, there's even where there's even the part where everyone comes in the ring and everyone throws lariats. Some people joke, some people don't. Uh, there then they delve into a very good match where Yoniyama's really getting her running knee strikes down back and forth. Hariyama's throwing lariats, very similar to how Subasa Kurigaki works. But uh, you know they put their hearts out uh, out there, and Hariyama does end up winning with whatever her finisher is. It's neither here nor there. It was it was a good solid two out of three recommendation match. I, I would say it was definitely missing. I, I would say it was definitely missing the aspect of Yonayama taking it up to the next level and leaving it all out on the mat. I really didn't feel like either did that, especially considering it's a retirement match. Or so we thought. So the important part is. This is so weird. And I'm just going to read verbatim this uh, this uh, Joshi article that I found online. And I'm just going to go word for word on this. It is... So there's... So you can corroborate a lot of what I'm about to say from this blog. Do I even have it saved? Uh, it is. So if you look up... If you Google Kaori a Final, you can find a ton of articles. And... Uh, there was a guy by the name, let's see, there's three of them I found, and one of them's from Frank Posen, and I think that's what this uh, this one is from. But uh, everyone's kind of saying the same thing. Uh, so the, the, he's not alone on this, and you can find multiple sources as well. Uh, Weekly Pro, Shoe Pro covered this. Uh, this was a big uh, uh, case in just weird. So here we go. They do the whole sayonara, Kaoriyama. We're gonna miss you. Good luck in your future endeavors, <laughs> spiel that we all know Joshi retirements to be. And then the ten bells start ringing, and Yoniyama grabs the mic, and she breaks down in tears, and she can't go through with it. And there's just this awkward moment where Bolshoi's hitting the ring. Hariyama's in the ring. Leon's, like, all of these people and, and everyone's ringside. And they're consoling her. And she's just in tears. She's got the ugly cry face. Uh, it, it, she just can't do it. She regrets the decision to retire. She doesn't want to. And she ju- and and as she's getting back to her feet, Bolshoi has she never breaks this like straight laced face. She never does. She puts her hand on her shoulder. She's like kind of understanding, but you definitely feel some tension there. Uh, Howryama is just like in the corner cracking up because it's just so absurd and it's unheard of what's happened. So Yonayama can't go through with it. She stands up. She does the whole nose twitch. Wipes her tears again. <sighs> Emi Sakura hits the ring and she boots her in the face 
starts ripping at her hair. She's in just ugly cry tears herself. She's wanting to fight her like shoot style. And she gets pulled off like real quick. And then she exits the ring and cries off to the back. It is like Emmy is not having this. <laughs> Emmy Sakura is not happy with what Yoniyama's done. Yoniyama kind of brushes that off like no big deal. And she goes into fucking pro wrestling mode. And here we go. Here's 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 the uh, verbatim uh, uh, blog article here. After the ceremony, Yoniyama grabbed the mic and said that she is being replaced by Yoniyama Revolution Chapter 2. And she's coming after Kuragaki's JWP Openweight title. She's going full pro wrestler now. And apologizes to all the fans. It cuts to a video. Uh, the, the, the DVD cuts to her in the back and she's crying and personally thanking everyone that walks by her and apologizes. So back to the and back to the blog. So why did Yoniyama want to retire in the first place? Well, after 12 years in the Joshi business, a lot of wrestlers think about retirement. She had just ended a run with the JWP Openweight Championship, and she thought she was satisfied with that. But the main reason Yoniyama wanted to retire is she was off a broken jaw last year. Oh, it was 2010. Okay, I missed... I missed no, it, it went into 2011 because the Haley Hatred um, thing. But anyways, and she admitted it took a lot out of her and was concerned about her health. Uh, I think a broken jaw is why Reika Saiki retired and part of her... Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, anyways, back to the blog. So the retirement show was booked and Yoniyama went on her retirement tour. But at a press conference last week to promote the retirement show, her longtime pal and retirement match opponent, Kayoko Hariyama, told Yoniyama herself she didn't want to retire. Yoniyama had a stunned look on her face, but these two have worked together for years. You can be sure they discussed this. Of course, by this time, it was too late to cancel the show, so Yoniyama went through with the motions of the retirement show and then announced <laughs> that she had changed her mind. I think she decided a while ago not to retire and sh should have announced it earlier, but I guess it's too hard to give up that kind of cork and haul full house in the residual merchandise sales. The reaction has been mostly positive. Uh, there were a couple boos from the crowd at the, at the show, at the show, but most, most people cheered. Uh, I concur. You heard a lot of people chanting Yona Yama, Yona, you know, uh, I'm sure no one will believe her the next time she announces her retirement. Oh, don't worry. She has. She has not. Uh, it was also announced that Arisa Nakajima will return to JWP after quitting in June 2009. She trained at A to Z back in 2006 and looked to have some potential. How <laughs> little do you know? But severe depression forced her to quit. Well, that's two pieces of good news for JWP owner Command Bolshoi. And what was the fallout after this? Well, Command Bolshoi uh, implemented a contract signing, legit, where if you're going to retire, you have to retire. You have no choice. Uh, you, you can't do it. And at the beginning of 2012... Uh, there were full refunds to everybody who went to this Corican Hall for for um, on the premise of false advertising. Bolshoi couldn't go through with it, so she has more of backbone than uh, Kyoko Inoue and Neo and the management there. 
from actually uh, going through with that. I don't think she had to do that. I think I think it w- could have been just an offer if the crowd wanted their money back, uh, if they felt the need to. Uh, and she also forced Yoniyama to work a number of dates without pay. So that's kind of like the uh, Zidane and Zidane thing, where he he, he, was, he uh, committed the the headbutt on his last match, and they made him kind of sit the bench <laughs> to f- fulfill a suspension because of that. So yeah, a lot came out of the show. Very weird. JWP lost a lot of money because of the show. And they, they weren't in best financial states to begin with. Uh, they never have been. Uh, they lost a lot of money in, in the summer of the Nai Takahashi from just not drawing even regular averaged houses. But we did get three excellent matches nonetheless. Two out of three, three out of three, two out of three uh, for the main event there. Uh, very good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, and that is going to be the end of the JWP section. Uh, very interesting. So we have... We, we, it's it, Okay, so we, we have Arisana Kojima coming back and in, going into 2012. We have Kayako Hariyama coming off a big win, but she's a former champion. Not my, I'm not the biggest fan of her, obviously. Kaoriyama is staying, but let's be honest, she's not. She's going to do her dates, and she ain't coming back. She is not returning to JWP after this. Uh, there's there's just some definite bad blood here for uh, Command Bolshoi. You can't imagine. And then, I don't know what to make of Haley Hatred, uh, whether she's going to stay in this promotion long term. I guess we'll find out how long she stays in Japan. But uh, you got Leon on the, on the rise. You got some young talent. So JWP, even after all this, kind of looks like they're on the up and up, relatively speaking. And that will take us into... Neo. Okay, so Neo beat up 2010. We missed this out on the first time through 2010, and I have been updating... Uh, the little match guide rankings and everything, and who's kind of the wrestler of the year as we've gone through all this. And you know what? I'll pull that up right now. Actually, I haven't updated it with these matches, so that's uh, that's not relevant right now. But uh, I assure you, when I do the end of the year in the next episode, uh, we'll go through we'll go through that a little bit. So Neo beat up 2010 took place October 11th 2010 from Corken Hall, an attendance of 881, and it. Looked legit for once. This looked like a legit 881 for Neo Women's Professional Wrestling. Uh, very much a struggle and a uh, exaggeration of their attendance uh, throughout their history. But this looked absolutely legit. There was an audible, loud, full cr- full-ish crowd, relatively speaking. All kind of in and around ringside. And they were all here for this main event. and. The return of Nagisa Nozaki, and we'll have a lot to say about her. So I'm very glad we came. We 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 uh, we're going backwards and uh, did this show because there's a lot to break down with this one. Not so much in the undercard, but it had some interesting stuff. And I'll just quickly go through that because I don't want this episode to go like an hour or anything. But uh, Ayuki and 
Uh, Ryu Mizunami defeats Kagetsu and Ran Yuyu, who's just kind of inserted in this thing. 13 minutes, 44 seconds this went. Aya pins Kagetsu, which, yeah, you know, pretty standard stuff, longish opener considering. But uh, Ran Yuyu and uh, Aya Yuki were kind of the uh, ring generals just kind of getting the young the young tucks uh, through this opener. So fine enough, but um, Ran Yuyu, I've really become a fan of her uh, on this journey. And when I start, like, on All Japan Women Destiny and uh, some of my LOPW reviews, and as we go through kind of the 90s throughout that, like, I can't wait for... The debut of Ran Yu in Gaia. Uh, and I know it's going to be like forever until I get that, but uh, her career now fascinates me. Hiroyo Matsumoto and Masaki Awada defeat Team Ice Ribbon of Hikaru Shida and Tsukasa Fujimoto, Muscle Venus. Uh, this was much more solid than the opener. Lots of fire and energy from the young up and coming talent. Hiroyo wins via backdrop driver on Tsukasa. And all I got to say further is this is your next generation here. And you just can't just continue to pit them against each other over and over again. They need credible wins, not just among their peers. And I get that this is a Neo. It's not in Ice Ribbon or anything. But the problem is, like, Ran Yu probably should have been in this match, for example. Like, switch, I don't know, pick somebody. And you can have Misaki Awada or Hiroyo or whomever. She does not quite good yet, but... Um, throw Shida in the opener and have Fujimoto uh, team up with Ran Yuyu. Give uh, Ohada or Matsumoto a win because at least in the case of Neo, Ohada and Matsumoto are regulars and getting a big win over a, a like a mid-card veteran would be much more preferred. This is a very common complaint I have uh, or critique over the scene where they're just so slow of pushing young fresh talent and especially so over a generation or two prior to them. And when they when they're like if they're quote unquote put over as in they like the veteran drops a fall to them, you never feel like it's any sort of moment or passing of the torch. Or big win, mind you. It's just kind it just kind of happens. It's there's never any lead up to it or building. It's just match happens and this time this person wins. Uh I'm definitely kind of using this as a as a bad example, but hey, here we are. This trio's match was pretty okay. It's uh, Haley Hatred and Kyoko Kimura and Cherry Bomb, the young Ally, the bunny, if you will. She actually had some pretty sweet gear. She had some uh, uh, tight little wrestling top. It wasn't like breast exposure galore over here. She had some like roses, black and like red leather pants going on. It was good. It was a good look for her. And she looked, I mean, she, <laughs> she looked actually a little better here than she does in like the modern times. She works like two TV style uh, for her own good these days. And she's like two character or here. She looked like she was motivated to, to do the wrestling. And her, uh, her with Haley Hatred, another Gaijin who speaks English, and Kyoka Kimura, who I imagine speaks some pretty good English, and she's more of a brawler. They match up well together, and they took on Basara, Cherry, <laughs> and uh, Mima Shimoda. Uh, Mima Shimoda and Cherry going at it was like Bizarro World. I didn't know what. It was like AJW LCO veteran against 
fucking the bunny. <laughs> what? And it went ten minutes, and it was it was it was okay. <laughs> Hatred does a sit out power bomb. Uh, she does not on her butt, but on her knees. Deal over uh, Basara for the pin. Spoke about Basara last time. Uh, nice little mid Carter there. Uh, Cherry against Cherry Bomb was kind of funny. And yeah, nice little mid card trios match. Got no got no problem with this. This uh, so far this like Neo show was doing pretty well. It was a nice little cork and hall. Got some interesting talent in there. I would like to see some like. I always like to see some continuity or some stakes involved with some things, but uh, that was for the top of the card. This was this was good opener and mid card level stuff. So then we get to the the meat of the card: international ribbon tag titles on the line because they don't want to, I guess, uh, defend the neo tag titles. That would be weird. But their neo the neo tag titles are owned by Tamora and Kurihara, so they can't do that. So they you know they got someone else's titles to defend on the show. And who'd they get? It was Emi Sakura and Nanai Takahashi at this point in 2010. Emi Sakura, uh, you know, I'll hold, I'll hold off on that. But they're taking on Team, what was their name? It's like uh, Neo Machine Guns, I think, which I believe is a Metal Slug reference. But it's Tani Mouse and Yuki Miyazaki, both whom of which are retiring at the end of this year. Yuki Miyazaki, of course, does come back. But this match went almost 20 minutes. And so they did some comedy with Bald Head Emmy to start. She came out with a wig. They tore it off, slapped the bald head, blah, blah, blah. But once this opening comedy stuff was over and they got their shtick in, then the match for what must have been at least 13 minutes was AJ St- AJW style bomb fast, just big moves, throwing types. And no, Tanny Mouse doesn't have the best offense but her going up against Emmy was like the perfect style matchup. They're doing JYD headbutts and variations as such. They're teasing constant roll-ups for near falls. While on the flip side, uh, Nene and Miyazaki are sticking with power moves in and out of the ring. Uh, so there was a lot to like about this match. And it ends with Emmy doing a La Mahi Stroll Cradle on Tanny Mouse to finally win. Dude, two out of three recommendation. This was good stuff. I couldn't believe my eyes. You know, modern. I watch modern day Yuki Miyazaki, and it's like she she couldn't give a shit what's going on. There's like 50 people in the crowd. She's coming off of like, you know, however many years she's been working. Uh, but this is when she could still move. She had knees, and Tanny Mouse really actually surprised me. So how about that? Then we get to our semi main event. It's Mako Satamura taking on Nagisa Nozaki, and Mako wins via ref decision in 925. And you're like, probably thinking, okay, yeah, Mako wins against the young wrestler. Sure. Okay, but here we go. We get a big video package promo over Nozaki coming to this match against Mako. Basically, it covers all. All her shoulder and elbow injury issues and how she's struggling about it. It's showing her like getting hurt legit in the ring and she can't do anything. And even shows Kyoko like belittling her in the ring because she can't like fight through these injuries. She's a wuss situation. Then we move forward and it shows Nozaki getting punked in the ring into like re-aggravating her injuries like multiple times. So clearly it's, hey, you're injured too long. Get the fuck back in the ring. And she just, like, keeps throwing her shoulder out. So it's a very tough story here for Nozaki. And this is her big comeback match. And they even show prior that she went up against Shuri and she developed some fire and mean streak to her. 
So here we go. Old blog time from 2020-10 was covering this. And quote, obviously they're saying it's a dangerous match for Nozaki because of her injuries. I don't know about that. I don't know about her health. But uh, Neo President Tetsuya Koda, that's the same guy that runs TJPW's booking, has been desperate for Nozaki to become a top star. The injury is still out. Uh, or, I'm sorry. The jury is still out mostly because of her health. I don't expect Sak- Satomura to cripple her here, but it's a good way to sell the match. So, yes, this was her big comeback match after being away from wrestling for a year due to her various health issues. And again, yes, it's that same Coda. Still thinks Nozaki is very point, very important to the future of the company. And at the time, went out on record saying there's trouble with Neo, but not financially, but more in the talent aspect, as in the aging wrestlers' retirements and lack of talent development. Or in other words, this is my words, not enough wrestlers to make shows. <laughs> But uh, by all accounts, we know it's also financial. Like, you just don't close a company because there's a lack of wrestlers and talent. They clearly have the wrestlers and they would stick around. But again, with the company folding, they just go with it. Down with the ship, if you will. And now this is wild in hindsight, considering we watched back in April 2011, the same story for this match play out at the Diana debut show of Nanai Takahashi defeating Nagisa Nozaki in 12 and a half minutes. They do the same thing, and Nagisa loses. Well, anyways, back to this time period. Obviously, one sees the story as Nozaki comes back, shows how tough she is, she can hang in the big leagues, maybe knocks down Mako down a peg or two, gets some near falls, but ultimately loses in a strong effort. Mako isn't taking a pin, and culturally booking says Nozaki is going to lose. Well, none of that happens. Nozaki gets slapped once, she fires back once, and then most of the time, the match is just Mako stretching out Nozaki like some scrub rookie. No near falls. Closest Nozaki got was trying to put a, put the same chokehold she put on uh, Shuri. Uh, Mako slips out, puts her out to pasture. Are we trying to build a star here or what? What are we doing? This accomplished none of what they were wanting to do or talk about. Just nothing. And it's kind of the same critique I had in that Diana show. Where if this is your young talent that you want to build up. And it wasn't just Nozaki going up against Nanai. It was also like Aya, Yuki, and company. While the match ended up being all about Kaori Ito and Kyoko in a way. And it just looked quite it, the optics was quite bad so this was just a straight miss the crowd was dead quiet throughout this entire time and this is another example of why i am just not high on mako satamora she is not a star making person she doesn't know what she's doing to get someone else over in the ring the majority of the time and this is a great example of it she just throws her to the mat and treats her like she's nothing and if Coda uh, really had, re- like, if his words and the way he is was true to wanting to make Nagisa Nozaki like the savior of Joshi, I saw that in some articles, uh, this isn't doing it. <laughs> Anyways, my God. There's so, I, I have so much respect 
for Nagisa Nozaki in just like who she is as a strong mental person because throughout her teenage years up to this point like she could have like retired at any point no one would have questioned it just injury after injury after injury and then you go through the Ohara Otani thing and smash and uh, 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 wrestle what the fuck was that company Uh, some Tajiri nonsense and having the domestic abuse and her neck issues. And then she came back into wave and has reinvented herself into some sort of at least indie star level. And then now just, just in this current time, she goes, she's having finally a like breakout title run for her and she tears her ACL. It is just a career that is just a harbinger of unlucky. And I went on Redleaf Retrocast, I think, earlier this year, in 2022. And I really questioned if, at this point in her career, is it worth her kind of staying in a promotion like Wave? Is Would it be more worth her time and impact on the industry, as little as it could be, to join a stardom as they're on the up-and-up, and she can be kind of that strong mid-card presence? I'm not saying she has to like win the title or anything to have some sort of impact. I'm saying she would serve a better purpose rather than stick around and wave and do this. Just more of the same than it would be kind of helping out this company that's actually making some sort of historical relevance to the future. Main event time. NWA Women's Pacific Neo title match. Yoshiko Tamura, Ayumi Kawahara. Eins, Uno. Okay, so we know Tamura faces Kurihara at the Neo Closure show at the end of 2010. And we had a lengthy discussion over that show about, yes, it was good for Kurihara that she won that match. But by then it was too late, meant very little. And as we've seen across 2011, the win in the scene... Don't see her as this credible star to carry main events, even though she did a produce show and it sold just as many tickets as like anybody else. Uh, now, let's cut back to the blog covering the scene in 2010 and from interviews and articles of the time. Quote, Neo has produced the hype. Uh, Neo has produced to hype the main event of next Saturday's Cork and Hall show. Yoshika Tamura will defend the Neo singles and NWA Pacific titles against Ayumi Kurihara. Of course, these two are currently Neo Tag Team Champions. And of course, that was Ayumi's first title. Shocking. <laughs> so as you can see, she gets very emotional in this video. Uh, and you can find this, uh, this video actually did play before the match. And she gets very emotional when she talks about it on the video. With Neo closing and Tamora retiring, the titles unfortunately don't mean as much as they used to. But it would mean something to put Iomi over decisively on the main event of a Cork and Hall show such as this. Because of the usual... This is great. This, this one right here. Because of the usual selfishness of Joshi wrestlers and promoters, I would normally be very skeptical about this. But on this occasion... I think the usual suspects understand that Ayumi's potential star power and just her potential to transcend the Joshi scene of Puroresu for the good of the future of the Joshi business and other companies, Ayumi Kurihara must be put over on this show. What have I been saying? 
What have we been saying? What have you listener, listeners been thinking about with a talent like Ayumi Kurihara? And even at the time, and this wasn't just the only article. It's just the one I loved their wording the most. <laughs> if I'm being uh, totally honest. But look, this was the conversation of the time even then. So here we go. What happened? Well, we know what happened. Ayumi doesn't win the title here because she's not the champion come Neo stage door. So what? how did this match happen? This match was a brawl through and through. Kurihara starts strong. She's pushing Tamura over the top rope to the floor during her entrance. They brawl all over Cork and Hall to start this match, and it's good. It's got fire. Crowd is into it. I'm into it. And from there, it's mostly just nonstop forearms as they get back in the ring. Hard brawling strikes. Kurihara would input some of her quick submission game in there, mostly focused around armbar variations, while Tamura would get her usual power offense in via, you know, ace crusher, slams, complete shots. You know, you know the drill with Yoshika Tamura at this point. Huge moment near the end where the crowd is begging Kurihara to get up and fight back, and it looks like she's about to do it. When Tamura reverses from the top into this, like, it looks like she's Alabama slamming her from the top, but she just follows through and does a face buster on the uh, turnbuckle. Crowd just heavy gasps. <laughs> Follow, she follows through with a gnarly stiff 370 senton, you know, flipping senton, but it's like the 450 motion and she goes back to stomach. Kurihara's ribs are just absolutely crushed. So the finishing stretch goes, the big finishing stretch happens, where they really milk in the level of exhaustion that both are at. Tamora is just lit up. <laughs> she is so exhausted. Kurihara is just trying to milk it, and there's a weird moment here where it looks like Tamora is going to go for an air raid crash, and Kurihara rolls through sunset flip, and they're kind of stuck in the ropes, and they talk to each other a little bit more, and there's like one shorter instance where they kind of do that again, but luckily... It was so compelling and strong that I uh, didn't really mind that too much. I'm trying to decide as I review the match that uh, this is a three out of three wreck, but uh, I'm not convinced yet because what ends up happening is they're going through the motions. They go right back to that move. Tamora hits an air raid crash. Eh, not much of a reaction from the crowd. Hits an Alabama slam. Not much of a reaction. Then she goes for her twisting uh, air raid driver. But uh, Kurihara reverses that, hits her with a drop kick, and Kurihara starts to go nuts. It's back and forth with elbow strikes. Uh, Tamura's trying to elbow strike back, and Kurihara goes through four straight half Nelson T-bone suplexes uh, right on Tamura's like, head and neck. Uh, just brains her. Big near fall, and this is when the crowd is going insane. They're they're just Ayumi, Ayumi. They just want her to win so bad. This crowd. There's another big like big power move from Tamura near fall. They're gasping. Kurihara's kicking out of everything, and then she does it again. More suplexes. She picks her up after three. She's going for the hammerlock. Half Nelson suplex, their finisher. Even before that, she hits the big vaulting double knee Meteora. I love this move. It's a huge finisher. That is how she beats 
uh, uh, Marcella for the CMLL title with that very move. Tamora kicks out. Uh, there w- they tr- she tried it earlier in the match, and Tamora reversed it into a powerbomb. And that's kind of the second time they were talking to each other. So, I mean, yeah, I'm a little out of order here, but go with me here. So, Kurihara is going for the hammerlock suplex. And you're just like, here it is. This is the finish. You felt it. This That should have been it. Right there. Kurihara overcomes the old guard. The, the Tamara, who's been, like, championing this company for a decade. You know, new talent. They're tag champions. Here we go. Tamura just grabs the arm. Up and over. Hits her with a hammerlock Northern Lights bomb. Kurihara kicks out. She picks her up. Twisting air raid driver. One, two, three. Crowd, dead silent. Not a gasp, nothing. And this is why this company just couldn't do it. This is why the Joshi scene is in the state that it's in. Just new talent doesn't go over. And you could argue that it doesn't matter. The company's going under. We've had this conversation before, but it's moves like this that just damage the prospects of the future for young talent. I mean, you just see it over and over again throughout history. Tamura should not have won this match. Nope. I don't think there's an argument for it. The company's going under. You're good. She's gonna, you could have one blast big title match for Ayumi Kurihara to defend the title or two as you close out the year. Tamura's retiring in just a couple months. This was a gross oversight. And yeah, as we saw in 2011, she's not a top star. She has a lot of fans, but she's not a top star. Her turn, th- this was the time. The crowd felt it, and I felt it. Devastating. Just devastating. There you go. Lessons learned yet again. Joshi coming out of the dark ages. We got a non-retirement. And then Kurihara losing a main event that probably shaped the rest of her career. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll start seeing something a little bit more over the next year or two. But this is an episode and this is a show that I really hope that we all remember and really lock into our minds. What has happened on this day? The next episode is episode 41, closing out 2011 for Joshi through the 2010s. Ice Ribbon, Ribbon Mania. And that show is not without its own news. And it's also the year-end review. Some of the top matches and top wrestlers. Guys, see you next time.